We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, coming at you with another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. The The excitement is coursing through my veins, as I hope it is yours. And that's not just because we are on the precipice of, well, who knows what. But it's, it's coming. It's coming down the pike. It's here. It is also because I am looking at just the most handsome young face in show business, not even just Nick's niche podcasting in all of show business. Um, this is a face made for uh, made for Hollywood. And I get to look at it every Sunday here um, coming at you on a Monday. You're lucky if you get to watch this on YouTube, by the way, Jeremy Cohen. I'm, can you tell how excited I am today? Very, but I was expecting you to to do a detour and, be, and, and then say Andrew because he has a fresh haircut and be like, oh, and Jeremy's also here. And I appreciate the fact that you didn't go that direction, but Andrew does also have a face for Hollywood. So look at us, three kings, three wise men, hopefully not James Wiseman on the Knicks, you know, just finagling everything. Can I ask an honest question? Sure. And I apologize because I should probably know this. That Wiseman trade thing. That's that's just like internet. Bu- There's no, that's not like sourced or anything, right? No, it was just uh, internet bullshit. Okay, yes, that's yes, great. That's we don't need to talk about it anymore. I just wanted to make sure because I saw somebody at some point when I was doing my five minutes of scrolling per day, um, like th- refer to it as a rumor. I'm like, what the f- wait? What what's no, happening? No. <laughs> okay, thank you. If you don't, by the way, if you're listening to this and you don't know what I'm talking about, good for you. Um, better better off staying in the dark. So obviously uh, today. Uh, this episode's coming at you on a Monday. The draft is happening in three days. Um, free agency is happening about a week. Madness is about to ensue. There was an athletic article dropped with Bradley Beal things and trade things and draft things. And um, But of course, we are going to spend today uh, talking all about Frank Nilakina's injury, which kept him out of the Olympics. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about the draft uh, because um, the draft is uh, – well, let me ask you this, Jeremy. Before we – I say what actually we're going to do today, which is run through a bunch of fake trades um, or more particularly what the Knicks could do with their picks and in terms of trading with other teams in the draft. 
how do I phrase this? Do you think this draft is a big deal for the Knicks? Sure. I think anytime, you know, that what we've seen so far is several years where the Knicks have not been able to capitalize on the draft. Uh, and the one time for a while, it seemed they did, they then traded that player. And I think that was ultimately the right decision. But, you know, we're, we're basically looking at the fact that the last consistent draft pick for this team essentially was 2019. And that was... Yeah. Two drafts ago. So looking at other teams and how they've hit on picks, and it's great that the Knicks were able to do that seemingly last year. Um, but moving forward, you know, you have to at least hit singles or doubles. Well, you're talking about their first first rounder in in three of the first four drafts. Yes. I think. Because I I think some people would argue that Emmanuel Quickly and Mitchell Robinson are are pretty good. Yes. I no, well, I was last year I was thinking about in terms of I was thinking of Obi and Emmanuel quickly for last year, but yes, uh, Mitch was in the second round, of course. Yeah. Um, but I guess I, I had more first round picks in mind because I no, second you, rounds are just the, a lot of times they're home run swings. You don't have to take a home run swing, yeah. but they're the, the randomness is is far more varied, whereas it's a lot less so in terms of the expected outcome for players in the first round. Yeah, and and I think that if you lined up the fact that they had four straight top ten picks and they got. At this point, one, I don't know what the current over-under is on R.J. Barrett all-star appearances in his career. Two and a half? Is that low? I, forget. I, we've had I mean, I said mine was six and a half a You said back, yours was so six and a half. I'll stick with that. Okay, fine. <laughs> Let's split the difference and say like four. Um, okay. Uh, Kevin Knox, uh, Frank Nilakina. I don't know what those over-unders are, but I could take you. I could wager a guess. Are they negative? <laughs> Can you have a negative all-star appearance? I think they, they made it possible. This can't be possible. Um, what's the opposite of an all-star? Uh, let's see. I, 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 I'll, I'll dwell on that. Um, and then Obi, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Obi. Um, but uh, no, I think that's well said. I, I just, I don't know. I, this scene, I, it almost feels like there's some big stuff that could happen at the top of the draft, which obviously does not concern us. And then after, you get past the guys which are theoretical franchise changers, whether there's five, six, seven, maybe eight of those guys, probably more like seven. Um, this seems like much ado about nothing where there's like a lot of, I mean, as is the case every year, there's a lot of smokes, a lot of smoke billowing. Um, but, you know, it's like a group of 15 or so guys and, you know, some are going to be okay and some are going to be not okay. And maybe one or two are going to be really good, but it's, I don't know, but I know I, I do. I think the draft is important and um, I think it's important that they come out of this with some NBA talent. Is that fair to just say that? Is that, is that too, is that too low of a bar? I mean, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, but if you look at the range and this is why I think we're also seeing reports of the Knicks trying to trade up where, which there were two times, such reports today, by the way. Yes. On um, Sunday, I should say the expected outcome of players that are taken 19th, 21st in that range. It's not great. Um, it's actually from 16 to 24. It's usually pretty bad. So it can vary, obviously. But the idea of trying to get into the lottery, the back end of the lottery, as we're seeing, there's much more, there are much more possibilities there. And the question, of course, which we will broach is how the Knicks can get up there. Another question will be what teams are willing to move down um, and what are the assets that the Knicks have in order to be able to make all of that happen? Yeah. And, um, so what we're going to do basically is we're going to talk about we're going to go from picks pick 31 because as for anybody who doesn't know, the Knicks have um, 
19, 21, 32, and then 58. 58, uh, no offense, Jeremy, is going to be the redheaded stepchild of this conversation. We're not really going to worry about 58 today. Um, Harsh, but fair. You should have worn a shirt that said 58. That would be funny. Oh, no, I'm wearing a psychedelic cookie monster shirt instead. Okay. So well, I hope whoever gets picked 58 on Thursday night is wearing that same t-shirt. We should send it to him. It'd be appropriate. Yes. Um, uh, anyway, uh, but I digress. So, but we're going to go from pick 31 all the way up until this conversation ceases to be um, useful and talk about ways that the Knicks can potentially move up from their respective picks. Again, starting with 31. Some of these will be shorter conversations. Um, maybe a couple of them will be a little bit longer. And we're going to see what we could come up with. Um, anything else before we actually get started on this? Um, this is something that I've been eager to do for a while. And it keeps getting pushed back because of more cap or no caps. So, <laughs> Which is um, finally done. <laughs> thank God. Yes. But uh, I love doing it. But... I'm glad it's done. But anyways, it's the sort of thing where it's actually now timed perfectly. So yeah, I'm excited to do it. Um, oh, that's what I wanted to mention. As you're pulling up the uh, this week's PowerPoint, which of course I, I wait on bated breath, um, there were a couple of uh, reports over the weekend about some specific um, teams maybe looking to jockey position. If it's relevant to the conversation, we'll, we'll um, mention uh, those uh, those rumors and you know how it might impact the Knicks' attempts to. Yeah, make some moves. That we will. All right. So here we are. Here we are. NBA draft partners. <laughs> this is so professional. <laughs> I know. I was thinking that too. I was like, this is really business. I feel like I'm going in to do a presentation, but I was like, ah, screw it. There's, there's too much here. Because the formatting was tough for this one. So it's not as funny as maybe the other ones or amusing, but it, I it'll like work. It. So thank you. Listen, it's a, the, the draft is a is serious business. It, it is. It's you fine. Know? Exactly. Um, so, of course, our first team that we're talking about is Oklahoma City. They hold the 31st pick. Uh, they obviously hold other picks in the draft, too, but we'll focus on 31 for right now. Yes. Um, OKC, basically, and for those listening, I have laid out three things per slide. Cap outlook, draft pick status, and negative contracts. So, in terms of uh, the cap outlook, the Thunder are so set for... A while, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Um, they, they're just well below the salary floor, similar position to where the Knicks are at. And they own so many picks that it doesn't <laughs> even matter. And they have one negative yeah. contract. Yeah. It's Kemba Walker, who is on the hook for two years and $73 million. And basically, there's, I mean, they're already talking about ways to reroute him somewhere that he'll want to be. And they could hold on to him and it doesn't even matter. Which, by the way, they did once already with a guy we just saw in the NBA Finals. And and part of the reason um, you know cap money is, uh, or they spare no expense, is because they were able to take on that Kemba Walker contract, which is a little bit of additional money um, from Al Harford. Exactly. So, you know, unless the Knicks were to purchase this pick outright, which I don't see them doing. I do this is kind of just, okay, on to the next one sort of thing. So I don't expect the Knicks to have pick 31 in the draft. No. Uh, no, no, it does not really make sense to move up from 32 to uh, 31. Okay, no. next up, 30. Utah Jazz. So, <laughs> former former uh, trade partner from last year. With Indeed. The, uh, oh, my God, I can't remember the man's name. Ed Davis? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, yes, uh, but it was, uh, what, 23 for 27 and 38. 
No, yes. and then the Ed Davis was a separate trade. That's what it was. They did two so trades. Two, two trades coming off with the Jazz. Okay. Ed Davis so- netted three second round picks. It's amazing. And God he was bless terrible. Them, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously. But the, the Jazz are going to be in the luxury tax again, which means they're uh, susceptible to the repeater tax. And they have to re-sign Mike Connolly. Donovan Mitchell is going to be on a new contract. There's a reason why we were seeing a report today, which I don't really buy, but the idea of uh, Joe Ingles being available, I just don't see them doing that. I, sorry, just for a, a general uh, thing, when you see reports of teams like the Jazz um, that they're like, oh, Joe Ingles is like on the table or whatever is, is on the block, whatever your, your terminology is. You have to go the extra mental step. You can't be like, oh, great. They're looking to trade Joe Ingles. Let's go, you know, inherit Joe Ingles contract. If you're a team like the Jazz and you're giving up Joe Ingles, who's a pretty good player, they're going to want a good player in return for Joe Ingles, probably someone better than Joe Ingles um, or potentially someone very like good, but um, maybe costs a little bit less. So as we maybe breeze past guys like this who you may have heard in rumors don't think that it's not because we, we wouldn't like like to have these players it's just practically speaking it may not make sense for there to be a you know a trade between the teams right it's not hey let's just take joe ingles into our cap space because the jazz want to save money it's yeah that's no not we have a good player we might want to save some money but we also want to trade a fan favorite for someone who's good not just dumping yeah. his salary um the jazz their pick situation's Okay. I mean, they owe a protected pick to Memphis due to the Mike Conley trade, but otherwise their picks for the next two or so at least years are going to be around in the, you know, 23, 24 and above range. Uh, And in terms of negative contracts, I really don't think there are too many on the books for the Jazz unless you count Rudy Gobert, which um, like I wasn't even going to bother putting him there because he's not going anywhere. No. Um, but they do have Derek Favors. And the reason I say Derek Favors question mark, because he does have two years and $20 million remaining, but the second year is a player option. So it's a sort of thing where that's a player option. It is. So if you're the Knicks and you're trying to think of, okay, well, what is our short term? What is our long term future? All of that. Do we feel comfortable with the idea of favors opting in? I believe he just turned 30. So he would be entering the market at 31 versus 32. You know, I mean, I don't know if he'll get mid-level exception money again, but it is interesting just based on, obviously, I mean, you could talk about Johnny O'Brien uh, or Johnny Bryant, Johnny, Bryant. Johnny O'Brien. Uh, <laughs> once Nick, always a Nick. Uh, also, shout out, <laughs> shout out Vincent Poirier for, you know, once Nick, always a Nick, single-handedly taking down the U.S. men's national team today. But yeah. uh, for Derek Favors, you know, it's um, at least Walt Perrin where he didn't draft favors because he came over in the Darren Williams trade, but it was his rookie year. Perrin always evaluates a lot of talent. Um, He's the type of guy who's really, you know, he's good around the basket uh, and finishing. He's great offensive rebounder. He could fit a lot of what the Knicks try to do, but he's not that defensive presence that, that the Knicks would really crave. But for a backup, you know, they, they just took a Duke, uh, a Doka Azubuke last year. So, there's reason to believe if they were cutting costs and wanted to get down a little bit more, pawning off favors somewhere would make sense. But at the end of the day, Ryan Smith is a billionaire who was a jazz fan growing up. It's his childhood team. I don't think they'll try to, you know, be too frugal 
in this sense. But if he if there's someone to go, my money would be on Favors. And and more importantly, I think at this stage of his career, Derek Favors and Taj Gibson are it's it's like the Spider Man meme. It's like they're both guys who once upon a time were power forwards. Now they're backup centers. Um, if if you assume that Taj Gibson is amenable to coming back for the same thing he he can't, he played for last year, which is uh, the veteran minimum, then um, you would have to be really incentivized if you're the Knicks to take on favors for what could potentially be, you know, an extra, you know, $17 million if you're going over the two years. So, yeah, I don't I don't see a, a match there, despite the fact that these teams obviously did business last year. The only thing I could think of is if the Knicks and the Jazz traded 30 for 32 and cash. And the only reason I'm thinking that is because if the Jazz say we don't want a first round contract uh, because the difference between the first round and the second round, first round, it's four years guaranteed second round. It isn't. Um, and it's a cheaper rookie scale. So maybe the jazz say, Hey, well we could get some cash and we could probably draft the same player at 32 as we would at 30. And we don't have to pay them as much. So that's mm. the only thing I could think of with the jazz and the Knicks working on a deal for the second year in a row. But I, otherwise I just, I don't see that, uh, playing out that way. Yep. No, I would agree. Um, okay. So next up 29 Phoenix suns. So, uh, Phoenix financially is fine next year. Even with Chris Paul, they are in a good spot. The question with Phoenix as we've talked about before is the year after when you have Aiton and bridges and Booker and potentially Paul and all these other players on the books, what you do then. But for right now, I mean, the Suns basically have a protected pick. It's a 2022 pick that's protected. That's going to Oklahoma City Thunder from the Chris Paul trade. Uh, they just really, in my opinion, have one not good contract. And it's Dario Saric, two years, $20 million, all guaranteed because he tore his ACL. Yeah, that's and that's uh, unfortunate um, for him. Um, there is history also with Tibbs there. So because Saric was uh, part of the return for the, the Jimmy Butler trade when uh, Minnesota sent him to um, Philly. Uh, I'm not sure if there was they didn't have that much time together. Um, it was like but 30 he games. Did, he did bench Saric from what I recall. I don't think Saric likes that much. Um it didn't. Uh, yeah, I, I, I recall something about the same yeah. thing. And yeah. the one thing that I read, I believe beginning of the season, off season, it might have been beginning of the season where Saric's dad actually spoke and said he thinks the reason why Saric was thriving in Phoenix is all the other places he was playing, the climate wasn't agreeing with him and Phoenix is <laughs> no, seriously. And Phoenix is much more like Croatian climate. Uh, than anything he had had before in Philadelphia or Minnesota, certainly. So that seemed to suit him better. If you're trading him to a place like New York in a salary dump, that's just going to be the same thing climate wise as it was before. So, yeah, I mean, he doesn't have control of where he goes. It's just something to consider where, okay, you're probably losing a whole season of him and then you've got another guaranteed year. Uh, it's just not of interest to me to do that type of move. Yeah, no, I, I think that um, and plus, if there's one position that we uh, think the Knicks are pretty set at, it's at the four. So, again, really, this would be taking on again. It's one thing if you take on, quote unquote, bad money, um, which, again, we'll maybe get to some some more amenable bad money um, later on in the discussion. But if it's bad, if it's money that you really don't have room for in your in your rotation, that's like a different story. Um, so next up, we got the. Ah, uh, yes. The Philadelphia 76ers. Talk to me about Philly, Jeremy. 
So Philly's a little weird, John. They could either be above. Are they now? <laughs> yes. Uh, they could be above the tax line or below it, depending yeah. on how they move around. They've got, you know, they could re-sign Danny Green. They could uh, guarantee George Hill's contract. They could figure out a way to get Ben Simmons off the books and, and you know, maybe take in less money. So how they do it is very perplexing. Um, they do have a protected pick to send to Oklahoma City at some point because of the Al Horford trade. But other than that, you know, they have all their first round picks. So it's just a matter of how that obstacle kind of gets in the way. But in terms of the contracts, you know, Ben Simmons has four years and $140 million left on his deal. Tobias Harris has three years and $115 million. I don't really buy this belief that Ben Simmons and the Sixers a report came out today, I believe, that the Sixers would hold on to Ben Simmons, try to rehab his value. I just don't buy it. I think that if you look at Joel Embiid's knees and you say, we've got maybe three or four years where we can go all in, you're not going to spend half or a full year of that trying to make an experiment work a little better when it's not going to work better. You know, you can hope that that leads to a better talent, but at the end of the day, I'd rather, you know, worry more about time than, than trying to rehab Simmons's value a little bit more to the point where maybe he pushes the envelope just a tad. I'd rather just do the trade if I'm Philly and I, I think they would. Yeah. I'm, I wonder, I, I mean, and plus, you know, depending on how much you believe the internet, which obviously you always should um, hit with his name already being, you know, bandied about in trade discussions. I, I just wonder how easy it would be to bring him back. I, I'm the same with you. I, I see him kind of um, going this summer as well in terms of a possible trade with the Sixers. I just, I don't, I mean, maybe, you know, there's probably some craziness where um, they, it, the Philly is like, send, I'm just trying to think outside the box here. If the Knicks got in on a three or four team trade involving Ben Simmons, where the Knicks wouldn't be getting Ben Simmons back, um, you know, it'd be, he'd be going to some other team. Um, but maybe said team, you know, wants a higher first round pick this year than 28. Um, you know, I wonder if that would be a way for for the Knicks to get their hands on Maxi, but that's you know, who the hell knows? Yeah. Um, that's the see, that's the the only thing from from their their roster that I could really see. Um, but that doesn't really involve this pick anyway. So, um, okay, let's move on. Yeah, don't think there's much here. No, um, twenty seven. Oh, speaking of not much here, is the Brooklyn Nets. So, <laughs> uh, the Nets are going to be a tax team. Uh, Houston controls Brooklyn's picks for the foreseeable future outside of kind of this year. And uh, they've got one bad contract. It's DeAndre Jordan for what? I guess two years and $19 million, yeah. I think. Although he might be expiring actually now that I think. No, I, no, I think he sent a four-year deal. Although, no, he, it was definitely a four-year deal. Um, and I'm pretty sure there was no options, which I will confirm uh, right now. And also we should note there was a report that came out today. Uh, yeah, no options, just two, two years, 18 left. So yeah, I mean, for context, the again, the Knicks and the Nets have not made a trade no. with one another um, since before either of us was born. <laughs> uh, the Nets are not trading DeAndre Jordan to the Knicks. The Knicks are not taking DeAndre Jordan. We're done here. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, I would. Um, they, but this pick is probably going to be 
on the move. They've traded their, as it was noted today in one of the columns that came out, they've traded their first round pick in each of the last two years. Um, you know, they're they're looking for win now um, talent. But again, the Knicks don't really have any win now talent that they could send to Brooklyn, nor would they want to, as you just noted. All right. And I, I'm sure, which is quickly, I'm also sure maybe someone's listening to this and thinking, well, what about Joe Harris? The Nets like Joe Harris. He had a, a really bad playoffs. I just, you know, spending money isn't the problem for Brooklyn. They just have to avoid getting hard capped, which they can do. It's just, he's not going to be moved. There really aren't pieces that need to go that like that. So yeah, cool. Uh, 26, the Denver nuggets, the nuggets are over the cap. Um, and likely so with having to resign Will Barton, assuming that gets done, he opted out of his contract, which was for 14 million. So clearly he's looking to resign for something in that range. Uh, Denver owes protected first round picks to Oklahoma City and Orlando as well. Um, and in my mind, they have one contract that's borderline negative, And that's Jamal I'm Murray. I'm insulted for Jamal Murray. They should I mean, put his name on this list. A fourth of this contract is going to be him injured or rehabbing from the injury. I still think that he's wildly overpaid, but uh, I understand why he received that contract. So I get it. But, you know, I mean... I, at the end of the day, I still think that the Nuggets need one more thing, which is why if you talk about a Beal trade, it might make more sense for them with the Wes Unsell Jr. And uh, they have some other front office executive connections and maybe Michael Porter Jr. is on the move. Maybe they throw picks. You know, there's there are things that can be done here, but I just, you know, I don't think Jamal Murray at that price point can necessarily be your second best player. I think the bubble, what he did was fantastic, but I just, you know, I don't think it's quite as translatable. No, I mean, well, I'm I'm a bigger fan of Murray than you, but I, I will I will say that this is like starting to get close to the range where I could see the Knicks wanting to actually move down from 19 or 21 to pick up an additional asset. But again, you have to have two to tango. And like, why would the Nuggets who are uh, looking to win a championship right now, like why would they give up um, one of their uh, future assets um, to move up, you know, that many spots? And I just, I don't, I don't see it with this team. Maybe one of the other teams we're going to get to before we get to 21. Um, Right. So let's go on to 25th pick in the draft, which is owned by... The Los, the Los Angeles Clippers. Clippers. Again, someone some of the Knicks have done done deals with. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, so barring Kawhi Leonard signing elsewhere, the Clippers will be well above the cap and the luxury tax. Uh, similar with the other teams we've mentioned, like Brooklyn, the Clippers owe all of their uh, picks elsewhere. It's going to go to Oklahoma City. Surprise, surprise. So in terms of negative contracts, uh, Marcus Morris, question mark. Three years, $49 million remaining. Patrick Beverly, one year, $14 million. Serge Ibaka, one year, $9.7 million player option. Um, so I guess let's start with Marcus Morris. I, again, the reason I put a question mark is I think they'll keep Morris, especially if Kawhi is out for as long as we believe he will be. Uh, it's pretty important yes. to, to remain on that team. The Clippers, and, and this touches on with Beverly as well, the Clippers are not in the business to dump salary. Steve Ballmer is the richest NBA owner. Uh, the pandemic has only made him wealthier. Yeah. He doesn't care about paying more in luxury taxes. The question is, can Patrick Beverly get you another player who's better? Not do we have to dump Patrick Beverly's salary outright when it probably won't 
impact whether we can get below the luxury uh, or the tax apron regardless. So what I'm thinking in terms of Beverly more than Ibaka, because, again, Ibaka plays a position that the Knicks seem to have pretty well uh, taken care of. Um, Patrick Beverly plays a position that um, the Knicks uh, have a bit of need at. And uh, no, he is he is not uh, a uh, I don't know what you want to say. Not a Tibbs point guard. That's for sure. Well, no, he's not for as much as he plays hounding defense. And I'm sure Tibbs would love that. And he could also shoot. I, so it's interesting to me. If they, if they, if Tibbs went away from his comfort zone, which is having a point guard who relentlessly drives, uh, which Patrick Beverly does not do, um, and the Knicks were even more committed to running the offense this year fully through R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, I think you could do worse than having Patrick Beverly be your, um, uh, big air quotes, nominal starting point guard and effectively play 20 20 minutes a night 20 to 25 minutes a night whereas Derrick Rose is the one really doing the heavy lifting but I don't think the Knicks are about to take on one year and 14 million dollars of Patrick Beverly for nothing so is there a world where the Knicks move up from 32 to 25 and take Patrick Beverly and send Kevin Knox, and here's here, I'll give you one more part of this pitch. Um, this is a three-team deal um, because again, as you said, the the Clippers are not, are looking to not looking to dump salary, and they they're not going to want to like downgrade for a pick. So maybe there's a team out there that they're trying to work like a sign and trade with the Clippers. I mean, where and that team does not want to take on Beverly, so the Knicks inherit Beverly, and the um, and they and that said team does not have to take on that salary. It makes the deal more feasible. Do you see where I'm going with that? I do. You just uh, those those teams have to be careful because of the sign and trade that you're discussing, where that would be technically uh, illegal. That'd be the the Bogdan Bogdanovich territory because um, you can't describe you, you know you can't try to finagle a sign and trade before the new year starts. Um, yes. So that would that could be problematic. I, that I could agree. be problematic. I think <laughs> if there's a way for Patrick Beverly to be involved in a trade, it is a three-team deal, at least with it being the, with the Knicks because two team, the Clippers are going to say we don't want what the Knicks have and the Knicks are going to say well, we don't view Beverly for the cost that you do. It wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a two-team deal. It would be a three-teamer. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um I don't know. I'm 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 going to keep that one in the in the back of my mind. That's I just all. I I think you can find Similar talent to Patrick Beverly for, you know, just cap space as opposed to finagling that. And I, I also don't know if they would necessarily see it as like, oh, we're giving up Beverly and 25 and getting 32 in, re- in return. I just don't know. It, yeah, it, no, I know. It's I, hard I, to again, pinpoint what his value is in their mind, but I think it's a little bit more positive than that. It, it, it may very well be. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. If you love listening to us here at the Knicks Film School Podcast, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? There's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and every other listening platform. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to me talk about the Knicks, Make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. And again, that's bwhustle.com slash join. Um, Okay, let's move on to the next one. So next are the Houston Rockets. They have the 24th and the 23rd pick picks in the first round and we should mention that just there was a report today uh that they are looking to package these picks and potentially one of the nets future firsts to get into the lottery um which does have some nick implications because um bobby marks whose word uh, should obviously be taken as gospel opined on twitter today that uh they are unlikely to get up into the lottery with 23 24 and a future nets first which i don't know if but if that means the Knicks with 19 and 21 wouldn't be able to get up into the lottery, I think 19 and 21 have maybe somewhat significantly more value than 23, 24 and like a future 28th pick. Um, that said, uh, what we could take away from this at the moment is that the Rockets are looking to move these picks. Yes, I definitely think, though, that 19 and 21 has more weight. Um, I mean, you know, 19 to 24 is a pretty steep drop. It, it may is. not seem like it, but it is. And, uh, you know, the Rockets project to be below the salary cap next year. They're going to be a, a bad team. Yep. Um, they Although own, they're in the Dame <laughs> rumor, so who knows? Allegedly, yes. <laughs> allegedly. Um, they do. They own a lot of Brooklyn picks, of course. Um, they own a future protected Detroit pick, and they owe Oklahoma City uh, a future protected first round pick as well. Yep. Um, this is where it's just get a little bit more interesting. So for negative contracts, oh, uh, God. the first one is Why'd John. Why'd you do this? Well, Why'd you write his name? 
I, I had to. John Wall, two years, $91 million left. The second year is a player option. Eric Gordon, three years, $58 million remaining. The last year's non-guaranteed. DJ Augustine, uh, two years, $14 million. Second year, non-guaranteed. Let's yeah. start with Wall. Um, <sighs> I want nothing to do with Wall. I I don't like the contract. I <laughs> You don't say. I don't like the injuries. I don't like the fact that he really does not play off ball very well. All of these things, and I, you know, you could point to Kentucky and World Wide West and the fact that the Knicks need a point guard and it just doesn't matter. Um he's not, you know, this isn't the type of deal. You you first of all you wouldn't be able to execute this, you know, on draft night. So you'd have to then push it all the way towards the other, you know, to after the cap year. Yeah. But it's it's essentially what we talked about with Kevin Love last week, but worse because what is your, what is the asset that you're getting here, right? It's maybe 24 and or 23. That's not worth it in a million years. So it doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. Here's the trade. It's 1921 OB and two future firsts. For the second pick in the draft and John Wall. <laughs> yes, that is, that's the same thing. That's the only move that you consider if you're the Knicks and the Rockets are not going to do that. Yeah, no, and the Rockets are not going to do Knicks. that. So it, it doesn't matter. But yes. Sorry, folks. Um, Eric, Eric Gordon, similar situation. Who apparently the Rockets think of as a positive contract because there was a, a report today that they're looking to use Eric Gordon to move up. Yeah, anyway, sorry. That's not, no, it's not going to happen. No, that's um, not going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> so that's, that's really it. And then... Um, we come to we come to really one of my favorite potential trades. Oh boy! Um, oh DJ no! DJ Augustine. So he's only got seven million dollars for next year, uh, give or take. But then here's where it gets really interesting. So yes, that the the year after the third year of his contract, but um, he's already spent one of them, is non guaranteed. Okay. So the way it works is it's only guaranteed for three hundred thirty three thousand three hundred thirty three dollars. Ah. So here's the beauty of it. If you're the Knicks, you go after Houston, you call them up and say, listen, we know that you're in the saving money game, Tillman, and and, and we want to work with you here. You cheap fuck. Exactly. Uh, And we know that John Wall is your starting guard, and and we know that you're probably going to have Jalen Green as well. So you don't really need DJ Augustine. Well, by the way, Augustine, for anybody, Augustine was the uh, tax on the Tucker trade, which enabled yes. uh, Houston to uh, get a future first. He was the salary filler. Yes, he was the salary filler in the deal. Right. So the, uh, for anybody who looks like, oh, you, maybe Houston wants DJ. No, Houston does not want DJ Augustine. No. Um, so basically, you know, you call up Houston and say, what about 32 for 24 or 23? And we take on DJ Augustine. And here's the beauty of it. With DJ Augustine... You don't have to worry about salary matching because the Knicks still have nine million dollars right now to spend. Ah, so you're so absorbing. You can do it before the okay, right? And and the thing is, you don't necessarily have to worry about roster spots as much because of the fact. And the Celtics just explained why when they traded Kemba Walker and took on Moses Brown and Al Horford, they are now at sixteen players. So the Knicks would be at sixteen players as well. So so. Uh, you know, there. If you had to circumvent it, you could always, you know, send back Norvell Pell, for example, or, or do something of the sort. Bottom line here being that with with DJ Augustine, you can do whatever you want, right? You could keep him uh, because you feel like you're not going to do much in free agency, and 
you know, he's not a, he's 33 years old. So I wouldn't call him more than a backup point guard at this point. But the fact is that if you needed to have him and you strike out on all your other options, like again, he's the baseline. If it's still Alfred Payton, he's above that. Um, you could try to trade him. You could use him as matching salary in some way. Um, or you could just flat out wave him, right? You don't, if you don't need him, you could, you could wave him if you want Tibbs would listen. I think you, I don't think that would happen though, but, yeah. but the, the one thing I'll add is that if the Knicks do wind up keeping DJ Augustine and they don't trade him down the line as salary or whatever, and you have that only $333,333 uh, guaranteed, if you need to create more room, you can just stretch that contract and it's only $111,111 for the next three years, which is like nothing. So it's a sort of thing where to me, he is the perfect way for you to perfect vehicle where uh, it's like one man's trash is another man's treasure and you get to jump up eight to nine spots in the draft. One man's trash is another man's I mean, trash. It's true. <laughs> but the man is wearing gloves yes. and the man just came from a toxic landfill. And he's got like a nice plastic uh, king's, you know, sure crown on him. If so, if you will, I. So can I can uh, we've cons- we've I've listened to, to conspiracy bill for years on the Bill Simmons podcast. We're going to do conspiracy John here. Um, Kevin Knox's agent is Aaron Turner. Um, Aaron Turner uh, up until recently represented um, Victor Oladipo who was uh, also until recently a member of the Houston Rockets, um, which is to say um, Aaron Turner has had some dealings with the Houston Rockets. Um, might Aaron Turner want to see his client, Kevin Knox, in a situation where he could get a little bit more playing time? Um, like on a tanktastic 2021-22 Houston Rockets uh, team. Um, I wonder if there isn't something whereby the Knicks take on Augustine, send out Knox. So the Knicks are only taking on because Knox makes like five point eight million this year. Uh, yes. Yeah. So they're, the Knicks are only taking on a million bucks. Right. And I. Ooh, what's the trade? See, I, I've had this thought before, right? I was thinking, okay. okay, what if it? What if the Knicks are sending back Knox as well? The only thing I'm thinking of is if you're Houston is your goal to save more money or is it to get a flyer on a player like Kevin Knox when you already have three first round picks in the top 24? So here's my, but here's what I'm thinking. They don't want to have three first round picks. They are clearly looking to package these. So the Knicks take 24, send nine, stay with me and wait until I finish, send 19 to Houston. So now Houston has 19 and 23 that they could package to move up into the late lottery to get this elusive player that they apparently want in the late lottery. And the Knicks get a future first from Houston, one of the Brooklyn picks. But that, I mean, that doesn't really interest me. And, I, and honestly, I don't think that that's what the Knicks are going for, seeing as how they keep Trying it to adds up. to the treasure trove. But what does that really add? It's a, you know, if we're talking it's about Brooklyn, it's like first a first round pick that they could toss okay. into a trade for, you know, whoever you want to talk about. How much value is there really in that pick? We're talking right now about Houston. They can't even package 24 and 23 to move up with a future Brooklyn pick. So why would that pick be of that much more value if, you know what I'm saying? Well, I, I, I just don't think it's it. I, I think that if, if you're the Knicks, basically what you're doing is 
you're doing quantity over quality. And I often really don't like that because I think if you can find the better quality further up in the draft versus like, look at my treasure trove of assets, it doesn't do a whole lot for you. I would counter with the fact that if the Knicks got a future first in the right year, it could further allow them to get around the Stepien rule because having multiple firsts in one year allows you to trade firsts in consecutive years, which, for instance, they could now, as it stands, trade 2022, 23, 24 first round picks because they have two picks in 23. So if they got a first in the right year, that's an extra first. That I'm just... I get it, but they can also figure out ways around it as well, similar to how Houston and Milwaukee just figured out a way around it, where Houston swapped their early second round pick with Milwaukee's late first round pick, and that's how they wound up with the 24th pick in the draft. So, Which they were able to do because it's, but it, that's very close. They did that trade It's like several months before sure. this draft, so there was kind of an idea of where those picks we're going to be. There was less there was less risk. I'll put it this way. I am much more intrigued by the idea of moving up twice, which the Knicks did. No, they only did it once last year. But but the idea of moving up twice in the draft um versus moving back and then getting a pick later on because I don't think that the Stepien rule is necessarily going to matter as much because they have so much control of their of future picks and and whatnot. It's really Right now that I'm a little bit more focused on and I'd, I'd rather I'd rather focus on a higher, you know, pushing up. So it's two first round picks and DJ Augustine uh, than you know, walking away with two first round picks, DJ Augustine. But those are worse picks. Last <laughs> last thing I'll say, um, Houston is going to receive the most favorable of so they they have they're going to get two first round picks next year. It's going to be the two most favorable of them, their pick. Brooklyn's pick and Miami's pick. Obviously, their pick is going to suck or is rather be very good because they're going to suck. Um, if you're the Knicks, do you bet that either Brooklyn due to injury potentially or Miami due to the fact that like this year they weren't they were like a mediocre team is just like one of those teams gets you something like the 20th pick next year. And like, would you it's basically a way for them to kick the take on a million dollars for a player that you probably want more than Kevin Knox, if I would, if I was a betting man, and you basically trade the 21st pick in this year's draft to get what you hope is going to be something like the 20th pick in next year's draft. I'm, okay, well, what about this? What about the idea of if the Knicks do something similar, if they did Kevin Knox and uh, 32 for Augustine and 24, um, and then as a result, they tried to get swapping rights next year? Or something like that. I just lines. don't think the Knicks would want because then the Knicks would be left with 19, 21, and 24. And uh, again, right, which I don't think that they're, I don't think they want. Um, you don't think they want either. But that's why I'm saying, I think we're in agreement that the Knicks are not going to have three picks in this walk away yes, three picks in this draft. Anyway. 100%. Yeah. They're looking to send off a pick. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to do that, then you have more flexibility to, you know, do 19 and 21, try to push up. Maybe you can add more to it. And then you still have that 24th pick or so. So it's like, okay, you know, the guy that we really wanted in that 21 range, but we couldn't do it. Like, I want him at 24. I think we could still get him there. And oh, yeah, the guy we're trying to leapfrog in order to, you know, maybe it's Golden State or whomever. Like, we can still get that guy and we can get a player here. That's that's what I think the thinking is more of just pushing up and using that cap space. 
Perhaps. There's also last thing, and then we, our, our uh, producer is telling us to move on <laughs> politely. Um, if if there is a deal to be had, and again, who, Cleveland apparently wants to win now, so who knows where you're sending 19 and 21 or 19 and 32 and Obi or whatever for Colin Sexton. Um, maybe this is a way for just the Knicks to get back into the first round if they do send you know multiple picks elsewhere. Okay, let's move on. Uh, 22nd pick in the draft, the pick right after the Knicks are scheduled to pick. Who is this? The Lakers. What do we think about the Lakers? I mean, uh, they could be a tax team, but that probably also depends on Schroeder. Um, they're, they've got unprotected and protected picks that are headed to New Orleans. And at the end of the day, they've got what I think are negative contracts. It, it seems that teams actually like the Kyle Kuzma deal. Three seems years, like $39 it. million. Dollars. I don't like it for the Knicks, but other teams do. I don't bull, either. You know, bully for them. Uh, Trez has a one-year $9.7 million player option, which... He either takes or he doesn't. I just, you know, I would, I think he's going to opt in because I think the market looks like crap, but I wouldn't be surprised if he opted out and tried to find something similar and blamed on the situation. Uh, and then I put Marcus Gasol. I don't think he's a bad contract per se, but clearly the writing seems to be on the wall for him. Yeah. And if there's a player that, you know, if the Lakers wanted to work out something, um, maybe the Knicks acquire him um, in some capacity and, and, absorb him and then they could even release him if that's what he wants because uh, I, I don't think he would necessarily be the target the Knicks would want at the center position so and even if that were the case I don't really know what the trade would look like yeah I don't I, I don't think these two are natural trade partners um, unless the the Lakers were working out some kind of a sign and trade with another team um, where that other team was also up against it and they really didn't want to take on that little bit of extra salary and the Knicks could inherit Gasol. But again, that would be occurring in the next league year. And um, I, I, I don't see it. Okay. Um, Knicks are at 21. So the team that sits between the Knicks 19th and uh, 21st picks uh, is, of course, your Atlanta Hawks. Um, what do we got for Atlanta? Atlanta's a little unusual because they could either keep John Collins or not. Um, if I had to guess, he's going to get a max offer somewhere because there are enough teams that see him as a talented player and think Atlanta won't match. And I think it's very possible that they don't. So, you know, if that happens, they're going to be under the salary cap, which means that they'll have cap space. If they match or come to an agreement, they'll be over the cap. Um, they're essentially at pick equilibrium for the first round. So pretty much have all their first round picks in terms of sending out and not whatnot. And in terms of negative contracts, you know, I mean, is Danilo Gallinari considered a negative contract? The second year left is um, or the last year of his deal is non-guaranteed. And then there's Chris Dunn, who's got a one year, $5 million player option, which uh, I think he played in four games this year. Yeah. So he's going to opt into that. And uh, Tibbs, uh, don't forget, traded away uh, Chris Dunn uh, mm -hmm. after his rookie year in the Jimmy Butler trade. Um, probably no love loss there, but, you know, you never know. Um, I don't think the uh, Chris Dunn is what the Knicks need. Um, OK, the only thing I think of is the rumor about uh, the Hawks wanting to offload one of their younger players because of committing to them moving forward. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily I wouldn't necessarily want Herder or Reddish at. 21 or 19, but I could potentially see the Knicks selling it as, Hey, we added quality talent that's proven. And all we have to do is pay them eventually. Although again, I, I mean, is Cam Reddish really quality talent? He had, I would kill to get your son here 
on the Knicks. My my son or my brother? Brother, cousin. Kevon? Ka- yes, yes, Kevon. Um, yeah, I mean, again, he's also owed a salary pretty soon. So I don't know how that fits into their future plans, depending on what they want out of that. Listen, I just, I want more ginger. I like, I, I have sushi nutting because I like the taste of fish. It's just because I like the ginger. <laughs> really? That's what, it, it's just. I love, uh, how much you've grown in just the last, you know, however long we've been recording. We went from the ugly redheaded stepchild at 58 to wanting more ginger in, in, in blue and orange. But that's how impressive this, this presentation is. Um, oh, thank you. And on that note, uh, moving on to um, the 18th pick. So we have uh, the more Thunder. Oklahoma City fun. <laughs> okay, great. I, I package <laughs> 18 and 16 because it just makes more sense. Um, no, it makes, it does make sense. We talked about it. The Thunder just doesn't fit here uh, yeah. unless the Knicks try to package 19 and 21 for 16. And I don't see the Thunder wanting that because they already have three top 18 picks themselves. Yeah, it's like the the Knicks and the Thunder are kind of like they could be trying to exist on the same corner. So it does like it's this isn't a situation where it's like, like let's fight each other for the corner. Yeah. So, right. yeah. Um, se- 17th pick is the Memphis Grizzlies, which we should note uh, have been. Uh, it was a, a report today um, f- from someone on the Internet that they were trying to tr- uh, get 17 use 17 to move up to 10. Take on Eric Bledsoe, um, which um, I will say for our New Orleans conversation. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's Memphis. Yeah, um, Memphis will have cap space. They're likely to decline Justice Winslow's team option. So um, that works for them. They own all of their future first round picks and they have protected pick from Utah as well as from Golden State. And their their salary cap, look, I mean, it's good. They don't it's really good. have any bad they- contracts. I think this, like the simplest thing to say here is like, if the Knicks were just so in love with a player that they were just so convinced that Oklahoma City wanted to grab from them at 18, would they throw um, uh, 32 with, um, well, I guess I could throw it with 21 also, um, but 32 and 21 um, to move up to 17. Would Memphis have any interest in that? I I have no idea, Um, but you never know. Next, we have uh, the Wizards at 15, since we just did the Thunder at 16. Uh, The Wizards, are they the weirdest team entering the draft? I feel like you can make an argument for it. They probably don't know whether they're coming or going with today's (laughs) Bradley Beal. Will he request a trade? Won't he request a trade? I don't know. We'll see. Um Oh my God. Again, you've done it again. You listed John, you wrote John Wall's name on the PowerPoint, and now you've written another name on the PowerPoint, which I don't want to see. Here it is. For what it's worth, uh, the Wizards, again, project to enter next season over the cap, and they yeah, owe we'll see. A protected pick <laughs> to Houston. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. Uh, down the line, it's Russell Westbrook, who is a better player than John Wall. But yes, because the Wizards <laughs> gave up a first round pick for the right to yes. get it. <laughs> um, but Russell Westbrook is not a candidate for whom I would want on the no, Knicks let's, once let's, again. Let's move on, please. And then it's Davis Bertans, who like, that's just not something I really want. Uh, agree or disagree. This is the floor in terms of the Knicks move 19 and 21 to get to X. I think they're not doing that for 
Like to me, if they did that for 15, it would be a pretty gr- not a gross. Over- well, no, I think it would actually be a gross overpay. They would have to be sure as shit about the guy that they were moving up to get. Not only in the fact that that player is whatever they think that player is going to be, but also the fact that that player is not going to get taken um, yes. in any of the next several spots. Which you ha- if you're trading two first round picks to move up really four spots from the first pick that you have, um, you like. Well, it's really three spots. Because uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it, the Wizards aren't presumably going to take right. the player, right? And so it's really just 16, 17, 18. Yeah, you just have to be absolutely sure that... And one team has two picks. Two right, of those exactly. Picks, so it's like... <laughs> anyway, sorry. I, so yeah, no, I, I don't think anything works here. Um, and then, of course, you have the Warriors. Uh, the yeah. Warriors will be so deep into the luxury tax uh, that they don't even care anymore. Then they have two lottery picks this year. And oh, a future first round pick to Memphis. Yeah. Uh, in terms of negative contracts, it's Andrew Wiggins, uh, two years, sixty five million dollars remaining. It's uh, Draymond Green question mark at Who three years, seventy seven million dollars. Right? They're not <laughs> going to trade Draymond. And then it's uh, Kevon Looney question mark one year, five point one million dollars. So Steve with, Steve Kerr loves Kevon Looney. Yes. Uh, with Wiggins, you know, again, like the idea of the Knicks taking on Wiggins's contract, it, it's almost exactly like the Kevin Love situation that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, cool. Um, I saw something where it was like, he's still considered young because he's 26. And I'm just thinking, come on, like he's been in the league for eight years now. We know what he is. Uh, it's not going to work with, with where we're at. Like it's it just to me and the Warriors aren't going to dump his salary. The only way it would work yeah. is if it were a three team deal. Uh, and then of course with Kevon Looney, you know, I mean, I've thought in the past, maybe the Warriors would be interested, but I don't think they would be. I think even though they need a stretch big, they really love Kevon Looney. Uh, he's a leader. He's part of those championship teams. Um, I would honestly be surprised if they moved his salary for, for nothing in return. And it would save $25 million plus dollars in luxury taxes. And they just, they don't seem to care since they just spent about $80 million on Kelly Oubre Jr. And yeah. that was not a good experiment. And they could have moved him at the deadline and they mm-hmm. chose not to, even though he's, he's probably going to leave. The thing with Wiggins is this, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, the Knicks should take him on. So the third team in a three team deal doesn't have to take him on. If, if Wiggins is going to a third team in a three team deal, it's going to be Washington or some other team where the Warriors get a lot better because they're sending Wiggins salary out and they're getting, I don't know if it's going to be Bradley Beal, if it's going to be Dame Lillard, if it's going to be player X who we haven't thought of. If that team is making that deal, that team is tanking for the next couple of years. They are not going to pay a premium for the Knicks to take on Andrew Wiggins. They're going to get every fucking asset they can, and they're going to deal with Andrew Wiggins for the remaining two years and $65 million left on his contract. So that is not going to happen. Um, and I don't want to pay Andrew Wiggins $65 million over the next two years any more than you do. Um, I don't know that there's another trade that makes a ton of sense for the, it could, and it, again, based on the reporting and who the hell knows how much to believe of any of this, it almost seems like this is the pick the Warriors want to keep to take a guy, whether it's a Duarte or a Murphy or whoever, that's going to help them next year. And it seems like seven is the pick that they're more likely to try to move for what, we, again, we we don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't know how this trade works. I don't see it. Um, yeah, I don't see it. Agreed. It just doesn't really work here. Okay. 13. The Pacers. The 
Pacers are expected to have no cap space. They have all of their draft picks moving forward and they don't have any bad contracts. So the real question is, would the Pacers be interested in trading 13 for 19 and 21? Um, I mean, if I'm Indiana, I, I don't know if I do that. I, I don't think so either, especially since, so again, all the reporting from this um, offseason, not to mention the fact that they hired a coach that you'd think would like to do some winning sooner rather than later. Um, they want to win. They want to try to you know maximize whatever this you know roster is. Uh, 13 for 19 and 21 would seem not to be in that vein. Everybody has mocked Davion Mitchell to them for a while because he's theoretically a guy that will come in and play 20 minutes for them and, you know, uh, put that one in the books. I don't see it. Agreed. 12. Now we're having some fun. The Spurs, they have a lot of cap space. They have all their picks and their only bad contract, in my opinion, is Derek White. Four years and $72 million. We should have made this a two-part pod. I could have a 20-minute conversation with you about Derek White not being a a negative contract. Let's make it a 30-second one. (laughs) It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for a guy that I I don't know what he shot from three last year. It wasn't very good. Um, And he is... He was hurt. He was hurt also, and it's not. I don't think that's the first time he's been hurt since he's been in the league. Um, He's an imperfect player. But he's an interesting player, and he's still pretty young, and he showed some flashes over the course of his his time. Um, Isn't he like 27? Yes. He's old. He's old. (laughs) He's not young. He's a young 27. It is not a value contract. I just, I don't know. I wonder um, if... this this is not the conversation to have right for right now, but I just he's a guy that's at least in, like Dejounte Murray is an obvious one. Like if you if you could get Dejounte Murray, get Dejounte Murray. But that's that's you're paying a premium for that. Derek White, I I don't know. I don't think the Spurs would pay a premium to offload Derek White. We, let's just agree, agree, agree on that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And also, I don't think the Spurs want to trade with the Knicks either. They seem I don't think to they do it. Uh, the Spurs the don't typically trade. Period. They're for, yeah. They yeah. they like just they have their first round pick and they take whoever they're going to take. It's fine. 11, Charlotte Hornets. Um, They'll have plenty of cap space, uh, like upwards of $20 million, most likely. They have all their future picks, uh, none coming in, negative contracts. You know, they're not going to trade Gordon Hayward, even though I don't love that contract. Um, I hate Terry Rogier, and I'm offended that you put Terry Rogier here. Well, because the whole thought process, if they wanted to move that deal for, you know, something else, they've got Devonta Graham, who has to get paid, um, you know, I don't know if they if they see someone as better starting caliber, but my guess is they don't. They keep Terry Rozier. Um, he's done good things for them, so I don't think there's any trade here that really works. Unless, and that's the other thing that you know, in terms of what player, like they're not going to want Obi uh, because they have PJ Washington and they have Miles um, Bridges, and it, unless you're you know trying to deal a big man, but the Knicks aren't trading Mitch to get this pick and. And they've been connected with uh, Miles Turner. Um, they have the money to, uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy, they have the money to beat the maximum that Sacramento can offer Rashawn Holmes because Rashawn Holmes is, uh, Sac- the Kings are limited with what they could offer mm-hmm. Holmes because they don't have cap space, so they need to sign him. Um, we don't need to get into that. Whatever. There's a limit to what they could sign him to. The Hornets could offer him more money. Um, the point is that they the, the Hornets don't need to trade um, with the Knicks to get like Mitch. Um, the Devontae Graham part of it, a sign and trade involving this pick would uh, veer into the bogey territory that you mentioned before, where it's uh, untoward uh, behavior. Um, 
Yeah, I guess there's nothing else here, huh? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. All right, we've entered the top ten now. Yes. So, ah, there he is. Cap oh, two years and 37 million of them, baby. Giddy up. Uh, it's complicated for the Pelicans. They could either enter... I mean, they'll, they'll probably enter above the salary cap, but they could potentially get below it depending on what they do with Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart. They own all of their future picks. They've got, um, you know, several picks for the, from the Lakers and the Bucks, And they're two real negative contracts. It's Eric Bledsoe for two years, $37 million. And it's Steven Adams, two years and $35 million. So apparently there are suitors or, or people who are teams that are interested in Steven Adams. Um, the Knicks should not be one of those teams. And, <laughs> and, and they will to be. not be one of those teams. So we can just cross him off the list. Uh, then we get to Eric Bledsoe. And the thing about Bledsoe is his second year is partially guaranteed $3.9 million. If you stretch that amount, it's 1.3 for three seasons. So the idea that Bledsoe's contract is abysmal to me just isn't true. I think it's fine. The real question is, what are you doing in 2022? Where is that 1.3 million going to hurt you? Can you flip the contract? You know, can you figure out a way where you even trade a future pick and you're fine with that because, hey, you moved up and got the prospect you wanted. It works out. Um, But at the end of the day, I just like, you know, as John, you were saying, with the idea of 10 and Bledsoe for 17 um, with the Grizzlies, you know, that makes a lot more sense for them. I think I think that actually works pretty well. So, I, you know, would it be 19 and 21 now for 10 and Bledsoe? At a certain point, when does it get to be too much? I don't really know. So, for anybody who hasn't seen, there, there's a ton of smoke about Kyle Lowry to the Pelicans. Um, that can only happen via a sign-in trade, um, which means the Pelicans need to send out money um, and then the uh, – Raptors would need to sign Kyle Lowry and then send Kyle Lowry to New Orleans under a new contract, which I would imagine if he's going to play in fucking New Orleans, he's going to want the bag anyway. um, So does Toronto want anything to do? Well, let me rephrase that. Does Toronto fall into the category of teams that I just spoke about a moment ago? Teams who are going to be tanking? I don't think so. I don't think Toronto's in the business of tanking. I think regardless of what they do in this draft with the fourth pick, this, that, and the other thing, I think they're going to try to be a decent team next year. I could see them wanting nothing to do with Eric Bledsoe. Um, But at the same time, is Masai Ujiri really going to pay a premium um, to not have Eric Bledsoe on his team for at least the next year, I don't know. Um, I don't know how much of a premium that would be. Um, yes, there is the possibility. It's just a straight up deal where the Knicks take on Bledsoe and they and they swap picks. I just, I could see it more being like the again. You're not gonna like this. You're not gonna like this. The Knicks just give they send out twenty one. And take on Bledsoe, and they're not getting back 10, they're getting back a future first, which, so that's where it gets a little bit interesting to me, because the, as you mentioned, the Pelicans have all these future um, firsts from from the Lakers, Um, they also have some future firsts from Milwaukee, and they also obviously have all of their own future first round picks. Would the Knicks be interested in a situation where... They get some manner of choice between a poo-poo platter of first-round picks in, say, the year 2025. Just throwing it out there. 
No comment. Uh, moving on <laughs> to number nine, please. Go for it. Sacramento Kings. Um, the Kings project to be over the cap, but that really depends on Rashawn Holmes, who, as you just said, could go to the Hornets. They have all of their first round picks and none coming in. Their bad contract, so to speak, are Buddy Healed for three years, $62 million. Marvin Bagley III, one year, $11 million. The Kings have reportedly been interested in shopping the pick for veteran help. Um, but they also want to move Healed, allegedly. <laughs> right. So they're all over the place. They're all over the map. Shocking. Shocking. I know, right? The idea of moving um, Bagley, I think they'll try to you know do something in the offseason, not on draft night. Healed, I think, I do think he has value. It's just, that's a lot of money. And is it decreasing contract or descending, which is nice. I just don't think New York is necessarily the place for either of these players. And if they were to trade nine for veteran help, you're looking at RJ Barrett. Yeah, you're not. First of all, that's not happening. And also it would have to be several Kings picks that would be involved. Uh, and then you're talking about Julius Randle, which isn't happening on an even greater scale because that's just not going to do it. Um, I could see a world where Bagley's like, obviously his, his people want to get him out of Sacramento. He wants to get out of Sacramento. That's no secret. I I mean, it's one year, $11 million. I could see them taking a flyer on that. I don't, the, the healed thing is a little more interesting to me because I could, uh, man, it's a tidy little salary. And I think the Knicks, I would bet on the Knicks believing that healed would look a lot better in New York than he's looked in Sacramento to the point where a year from now that remaining two years on that contract, which again, descending would look a lot better. Um, I just don't know how that trade would involve this pick again, unless it was some kind of a three team deal where um, nine would be going out somewhere. Some other team would be sending a decent player back to Sacramento and the Knicks would be inheriting healed. But again, who's giving them something for the right to take on healed. And I don't, because I don't, they're not getting nine. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the trade is. I, yes, I agree. I also just want to back up real quick to Bagley. I think that if you have Randall and Obi, you're not going to want Marvin Bagley. And the big reason why there's some concern over getting him is you know, when you're tra- when you're trading for Marvin Bagley the third, you're also trading for Marvin Bagley the second, and he has <laughs> been pretty problematic in terms of how outspoken he has been. Um, I think he is basically what people think Lavar Ball is. Yeah, but he is. but the other thing about him is you're not just taking on a year of him. It's almost like the Colin Sexton situation because you're basically saying I have to deal with his next contract. And I have no idea what his next contract is going to be. Like if Marvin Bagley, you know, it's not just salary filler. I think that the Kings are still going to try to retain something no, for him. Yeah, they're going to. No, they're not just dumping the right. former number two pick. And then it's like, well, if you're if you're trying to buy low on him, then that means you definitely need to move Obi out for something else. You, you hit the nail on that. You need to. In, this is. I can't even say this with a straight face. You need to invest in Marvin Bagley if you're trading for Marvin Bagley. Again, that's an absurd thing because he's shown absolutely nothing as an NBA player, which would warrant a team being like, "We're going to invest serious time and energy and make it like getting that dude right." Like, no, invest in Obi Toppin. Um, yes, the guy who actually wants to like work hard and like the whole thing. Okay. Um, 
We're, we're coming down to it because we're getting pretty close to the, the level where there's probably not going to be anything that needs that could be done. But let's talk about the eight pick. Yeah, this is the type of range where I think if you're the Knicks, you have to move up twice or you have to do something very drastic and dramatic. So the Orlando Magic have two picks in the top eight. Uh, the first one being eight They're, um The offseason, I mean, they're around the salary cap. They have all their future picks and a protected pick from Chicago and from Denver. The really big question in terms of negative contracts is Gary Harris. It's which one year and $20 million. And why do they care about moving that? That's right. Just, yeah. Um, you could say Jonathan Isaac from an injury standpoint, but I still think that's a good contract yeah, and worth gambling. Contract. Same thing with Fultz. So I don't think there's anything really here. Yeah. I mean, to, to your point about the two trades, like if again, they did something with Bledsoe and they got up to from 19 to 10. Um, does 21 and 10 get you to eight and get you to take a swing at Kuminga? Do, do the Knicks want to take a swing at Kuminga? I don't know. If he's even there, maybe maybe he goes. Right. Forward. Okay. Seven. Oh, so Golden State Warriors again. Well, we covered them. Um, you said that you thought that the Warriors might flip uh, the seventh pick. I'm curious if they will just uh, the workout that they had. I think it was today or, or recently where it was what Duarte, Trey Murphy, the third, Davion Mitchell, Davion and, um, and there's one, oh, other it, was it was another guy up there. I'll look it up right now. Yeah. So those four are definitely more in that 14 range. Moody. So Moses Moody. Mo- yeah. Right. Moody's more in the seven range potentially, although who knows it could fluctuate. I think Moody is certainly in the seven range. Yeah. Right. But you know, I mean, if you're for the warriors and you think the Knicks are trying to trade up ahead of you, are you going to trade, your seventh overall pick so they can leapfrog you even more. Um, I don't think you'd necessarily do. And I don't see what the advantage for the Warriors would be. Cause if I'm the Warriors and I'm dropping from seven to 19 and you know, they don't need more picks. They just, they need more talent and they find better talent towards the top of the draft. Although I, I think they should still be looking for great role players because they don't even need stars. They just they just need players who can play really nicely off of Steph and Clay and Draymond. Yep. Well said. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything. I don't think the Knicks are getting the seventh pick in this draft. This will be easy. This is the sixth pick. It's the Thunder again. <laughs> for the for the fourth time. <laughs> it's not happening, folks. The Thunder even trying to move up into, you know, three, four territory. So, you know, the fact that Knicks would get up from 19 to six. No, with the Thunder, no, Not the Thunder could blow them out of the water with their trades. Yep. Five, Orlando Magic again. Hey, um, a similar situation. You know, it seems like the Magic might like Scotty Barnes from what reports are saying, but then there's Kaminga. Like Maybe Suggs falls. Who knows? Um, trading out of the top five. It's this is really where you're rare. talking about how many future first round picks are the Knicks giving up? Not just how many future first round picks. You're talking about who of, you know, RJ, Mitch, quickly, any of these other promising young pieces yeah. that you think would be there going into a package. Yeah. Again, like teams don't trade out of the top five unless they have two top five picks. Orlando does not have that. So maybe they trade down from eight. It probably, again, wouldn't be from 19 to eight. That's really steep of a drop. So again, I think five is just out of the question, unfortunately. Yeah, I would agree with that. Four, the Raptors. Uh, I mean, they're ca- they have cap space, most likely, assuming Lowry leaves, and they might go after a big like Jared Allen. They have all their picks. Uh, 
negative contract. I said Pascal Siakam question mark three years, $101 million because I harsh. don't think that's, a, and I don't think it's a negative contract. <laughs> a uh, again, I think it's fine. Um, I, I, like if I'm I, again, the warriors seem to be the team that is most mocked. And I don't mean, you know, jarringly, yeah. but um, penciled in as taking Siakam in some sort of trade. Cause it fits more with what they're doing. But that's interesting. Siakam to the warriors. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You could even, you know, give up seven. The Raptors have four and seven and do their thing. So who knows? Uh, and then Wiggins goes home. I hadn't even considered that angle. Uh, um, and Wiseman Maple Jordan uh, goes home and Wiseman goes to Canada. Very nice. So uh, no, the Knicks aren't going to be able to get something done here. It's just too tough unless it's RJ and more as we just discussed. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be RJ and more. It's not going to be happening. The Cavs uh, Cleveland's picking third. They're likely to enter the season below the salary cap. They have all their picks. We uh, coincidentally discussed Kevin Love and Torian Prince on last week's podcast. We did. So um, I think we can just say no to Kevin Love and probably no to Torian Prince, who again, like they're not going to attach three to Prince and move him. It's yeah. gonna be, <laughs> I don't think they're moving three period, but if it were, it'd have to be with Kevin Love off the books. Yeah, it's. I mean, if you believe what you read, the Cavaliers may be trying to get up to two. Um, I don't think the Knicks help them. Well, no, no. But also, it's not. It wouldn't even just be three and love for nineteen twenty one. Blah blah blah. It would be like the Knicks move up once again, and then they move up again and take on three and love. But and it's it's not going to work out. The problem is the the team. Like so, if you were if, again for shits and giggles, if you were like the Knicks. Uh, take on um, or, or the Knicks give up like 19 and, and 21 to Cleveland. And so Cleveland could use those picks to try to move up to two in, in some kind of crazy deal. The team that's at two reminder, as we're about to see, which why don't you just change the slide now, the Houston Rockets who also have 20, uh, what was it? 23 and 24. So that they, they're, they're not in the business of picking four times in the uh, from 19 to 24. Right. Unless they're trying to trade up to one, uh, which they could, that's it. We'll give you, <laughs> we'll give you, well, in that case, they would swap with Cleveland. So let's see. The trade would be three, 19, 21, 23. Oh, I, I, I meant the Rockets or the Pistons, but yes, that would be oh, yeah. absolutely absurd. There um, you go. We'll give you five first round picks this year for Kate Cunningham. And one of them's the third pick of the draft. That's interesting. And they'd still say no because. Uh, yeah, probably. They just would. Uh, yeah. You'd have to, again, you'd have to get into the top five and then you'd have to basically. Yeah figure out a way to get from five to one while also trying to fend off someone like OKC, which didn't have to do exactly the heavy lifting you did. So um, for one, I mean, again, the Pistons are probably going to have some, a little bit of money. 19, 19 for one. We'll take on Mason Plumley. Who says no? Uh, us. I mean, that Mason Plumley <laughs> contract is so terrible for the Knicks, but yeah. Um, we wouldn't be able to resign Reggie Bullock. <laughs> uh, the horror. <laughs> So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, we, we have now gone through the 30 top 31 picks in the draft. And I feel like what we've come down to is, uh, an understanding that there may be two trades that work. Uh, it's not a whole lot, but listen, there are a lot of three team deals that can go on. The Knicks can be creative. Other teams can be creative. So I'm excited. I'm very nervous, but I'm excited because I trust the front office. And uh, at the end of the day, like we don't, we don't, there's so much we don't know about the draft. Yeah. So I, I would just like to say again, so I have it on the record. If the Knicks somehow come out of this draft with a future first round pick, don't say 
Don't say I didn't tell you. That's all. I won't. I'll be sure <laughs> not to say that. Um, okay, Andrew, anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, I've got a mini producer's corner where Please. I want to ask you guys some questions about the presentation that Jeremy worked so hard to put together. Um, the first big one of everything we just heard, what is something if you had, Jeremy, John's hypothetical $100 chip that he offered to Jonathan Wasserman, if you could bet on one thing that potentially could happen on Thursday, what would it be? Oh, God. One thing, um, yeah, Knicks, re- Knicks related or just in general? Knicks related. Okay, Knicks related. I figured, I figured. Hypothetical $100 chip, which we might end up looking at a real $100 okay. chip that we bet in a couple weeks. Um, I'm torn between this. So I'm just going to say the Knicks, can, can I say that the Knicks will wind up with one of two players? Is that acceptable? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I think the Knicks will wind up with either Duarte or Isaiah Jackson. Um, oh, okay. So them staying at 19 and 21, you don't see them no, trading. I think that they would, I think they'll trade up. They'll figure oh, out a way okay. to trade up to get either one. Right. And I think the idea of moving up for Jackson is, I like him as a prospect. I do. And I think, you know, even though people might be skittish because he's a big, uh, and you have Mitch there and all that, I, I still think there's a lot to like and not just the CAA Kentucky ties. Uh, but that's more for another time, I suppose. Um, it, it's more the idea of with, with Jackson fitting with kind of what they go for, how good he is around the basket. And Duarte, like, again, I see him more as a day one guy uh, looking at the free agent market for wings. I just don't think it's easy to do. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, I think Duarte is probably one of the guys they try to get. John? More Jackson. I think the Knicks take on, I mean, I'll, I'll go pretty specific. I think the Knicks take on a contract of a player for this league year. So a, a trade that gets executed on the night of the draft, as opposed to pushed pushed out to the new league year. Like who? I don't know. Eric Bledsoe, Colin well, no, Sexton. It, could, it couldn't. It couldn't be Bledsoe because Bledsoe wouldn't fit into their space, and they would need to send out a player oh, okay. that's under contract for for next year. And I don't think they want to do that. But I think there is. I think they take on a player. Maybe it's Sexton. I could see it being Sexton. Sure, that okay. wouldn't shock me. Um, in some kind of a three or a four team deal. If you ask, if you put a gun to my head right now, I, 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 that would be the name I would say, but I also think it's, it's probably more likely that it's a player that is making like, you know, Jeremy wrote Marcus Saul's name, like a, a lower salary player that is just like a small. And, um, I, I don't think there's going to be any, anything. Cr- well, no, I guess Sexton would be kind of crazy. Yeah, I think they're just going to take on salary. That's it. That's I'll my be, I'll be disappointed if they don't do that, honestly. Okay. I mean, again, the right deal is to materialize, but that seems like a prime opportunity. We'll see. I think if you see somebody else do that, yes. and it's like, why weren't the Knicks in on this? That's the frustration that we could see happening. The other question I have is, what do you want to happen? I think Jeremy already answered. And you like Jackson. You think he would be the guy you'd want the Knicks to trade up for if possible. Oh, I don't necessarily want him to be trade the trade up can but yes. I, but I think like that's the like so what's right. your wish list for Thursday night as as we sit three days away from the draft? I guess four days away from the draft. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe Moses Moody dropping, but I'm still worried about how he finishes at the rim. Duarte's grown on me a lot recently, but he seems to be growing on a lot of people. Maybe it's because he is shooting up the ranks. That's why he's more desirable. But, you know, again, I mean, just like 
I feel like the Knicks might go with an upperclassman with the first pick, whatever it might be, because he's more NBA ready and they could see that as a positive. So, yeah, that's I guess I'll go with that. John? Um, the Knicks wind up one way or another with Keon Johnson. And I am saying that not because I necessarily think um, it would work out well for the Knicks. Uh, because, you know, the notion of bringing a player along slowly who is going to need a lot of nurturing and love and care. And like, that's a, you know, that's a three-year plan type of deal. But just the notion that this front office would be bringing in a player that they know needs, like is not going to play for them right away needs some like like you need to have a great development program if you're going to bring that kid in and get the most out of him just the just the notion that they would be thinking along those lines and that they have the confidence in what they've built to be able to try to pull that off would i would be very happy with them if that was their mindset all right i lied one more question okay around the league what's what crazy hypothetical thing that we've could see realistically happening do you see happening on draft night whether it be a bradley beal trade whether it be um something smaller like i guess a colin sexton trade um a big name that could get traded on thursday that we're getting john's hypothetical hundred dollar chip can it mm. jeremy, jeremy you, you have one on the top of your uh, off the top of your head i mean I- i'm thinking i i will say and this is not the question, but it came to me. I think the fact also that, you know, when the Jazz drafted uh, Donovan Mitchell, it was a secret workout. So we're seeing a lot of names, but that could also be smokescreen. I saw that Sharif Cooper tweeted something about, it was like a, an emoji of just kind of like the shh face. Mm-hmm. So maybe that is a secret workout. You never know. And that's just his way of telling us, uh, you know, tinfoil hat theory aside. Um, I I think the Warriors ultimately make a move for someone. I think, I think that they'll trade the seventh pick. I, I, again, I think Siakam just makes a lot of sense. Siakam makes Mm. a lot of sense. Um, I think the price for Beal will be too high for them. And I just, at the end of the day, think that they're not going to keep playing around. Uh, they have to show a commitment to winning and they could probably save money doing that too. Uh, and then they don't have to worry about defending the Wiseman pick because if they trade Wiggins seven and Wiseman, maybe that's too much for Siakam, but, whatever like mm. that that is a championship oh, team that's that's reinforced and you get to say to steph we're still building around you you're not going anywhere i i would say no to that if i was toronto i think seven wiseman wiggins <sighs> no but they'll make and the most of that pick yeah no they'll make the most of that seventh pick maybe it's four maybe four and seven get some three if they want um and wiseman I just don't think Wise is very good. I know you um, don't, but the league might. Yeah, maybe. Um, okay, I will. This is bad shit, but you asked for crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma City gives up something that you'll read it in terms of the pick package, and you'll and will you'll have to do it like a double or a triple take. Like so, so I don't know what. Eight future eight first. first round picks How to high? move up the re- I don't know to get the guy they want, and I don't know maybe I don't know who they want, um, but just to go to move up, not to one. I don't think I don't think one's on the table. I I could see it being for as high as two. I could see Houston doing something like SGA and Mobley. I I I that's not bad. Good. <laughs> I could see I could see more green. 
I can okay. see them talk, talking themselves into like we now we have our top two for the next you know decade, and I could see um what do you call it? Who, who's the GM? Raphael Stone going mm-hmm. to going to Fertitta and being like, look, look at all this that I got you. It's bound to work out. Um, yeah, oh boy. I, we'll see. I don't know. All right. Well, if you'd like to hear more of our thoughts from outside the Knicks and around the league, for just seven dollars a month, head over to Patreon, and we'll be dropping multiple podcasts over the next couple of weeks. Uh, some from Las Vegas, although fingers crossed that the yes. you know people in Las Vegas cooperate with this thing called the pandemic that we're still in. Um, that's all I got. Good show today, guys. Great show. Jeremy, again, um, hats off. Not not a cap. Not not cap. Hats off I to you, you, Jeremy. Thank you. Um, and everybody- you been, hold on. Have you been waiting to say that joke? Because that was really good. It was <laughs> no, really I just thought of it on the top yeah, of my head. It was really good. Literally, I swear on my kids. I'm, gonna, I'm actually, I'm going to call cap on that. I, I think they had it in your head for a while. You're a writer, my friend. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, now that we're all delirious, thank you for listening to another episode of the Next Film School Podcast. We will be back with you um, with more content talking about all of the ways in which we got everything wrong that we just talked about on this podcast very soon. Thank you.